All right, what is up, team? Welcome back to the show. We have another Q&A. Today, I am joined once again by Coach Andrea and by Jody, calling a success manager. Um, Jody and Andrea, thank you for being here, as always. Of course. Thanks for having us. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, anything, before we get into the questions, anything that's been going on with you two this week that you want to fill us in on, anything new with training, nutrition? Um, Jody and Andrea, I know you two have been working on some glute specialization. How has that been going? Uh, I guess I'll start from my perspective. Um, I mean, my, my booty has not grown in the week of training that I've done with Andrea, but I was hopeful it didn't happen just yet. Um, I love it. I just, I love having specialized training. I think the feedback, form videos, all of that stuff, it just gets me super pumped to, uh, continue. So I'm psyched for this week and I just, I know it's going to happen with Andrea coaching, with the work I'm going to put in. Um, it's just nice to finally put an emphasis on my backside. Is that not anything you have you like specifically tried to grow glutes in the past? No, not really. I think I've just, you know, my background is CrossFit, which was like super quad, uh, quad emphasis for me. Uh, those are quite mighty in size. <laughs> um, and you know, I, it, it's just the evolution of training. You know, you think doing back squats and CrossFit or is going to grow your booty, um, so not necessarily, um, I've done different styles of training, um, but nothing that was really glute emphasis, uh, glute emphasis, you know, it's just that traditional push pull, um, upper lower body split. So, um, so yeah, Andrea, what do you have to add? <laughs> First week went really well. Um, uh, so We've only had the one check-in so far, but form looked really good on everything. So it's exciting to get a little bit further into this and start to see some gains. So with that, like looking at, okay, Jody, here's what you've been doing previously. What was your thought process with the program as far as like, okay, these are the things that I want to add to like further grow her glutes or get a different stimulus than what we've done before? Was it just more specificity with like the movement patterns you're selecting or like what do you feel like you're doing differently versus before? So both day, both lower body days are starting out with a LinkedIn emphasis or LinkedIn overload uh, glute movement. Whereas mm -hmm. doing group programming in the past, you're going to have something that's a little bit more balanced so that it can kind of appeal to everybody. So just like focusing in more on um, two to three LinkedIn overload glute movements to start out with. And then, um, we'll just try and like really dial in the form on those and tempo and everything, and then progress on those over time and really get like, eke out the most, um, uh, growth on those before switching anything out and not being like too quick to, to sub in different movements just for the sake of keeping it fun. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So basically it's more time in the length and position. It sounds like and just basically assessing progress. And that's really with like the first nozzle yeah. cycle. I don't think it's ever a time where we want to like, Hey, we're going to hit you with a ton of volume here. For example, it's often just that you said like tweaking execution, making sure again, I think a lot of times it seems like people are almost always split into two camps where it's like, I am very good at growing my quads, but I have really struggled to grow my glutes or my glutes always grow, but I've really struggled to like get 
what did I just say glutes? I lost my train of thought. My glutes have always grown, but really struggled to get my quads to grow. I think that's where I was going with that. Um, and it's like almost always, I don't think this is actually going to be the case for you, Jody. but a lot of times it's like, Hey, we haven't really prioritized like maximizing hip flexion. It's like we've gotten a decent amount of hip flexion, which is going to be like, if we look at your glutes, your glutes are going to like the primary function is going to be like hip extension, right? So pushing your hips back into the mm-hmm. hip flexion where your ribcage is relatively close to your thighs and then pushing your hips forward. But I think like a lot of times, I know we were talking, I was talking about this with like somewhere on mentorship clients. There's almost always one of those things where it's like either like the idea of getting into deep knee flexion or like it's like people don't really understand like we're really going to drive our knee forward for like quad growth or like really like what deep hip flexion really feels like. Typically it's like just that is foreign. So almost always there's a lot we can clean up with execution. That said again, like for you specifically, Jody, I don't think that's <clears throat> probably the case. I'm interested to see how that goes, but I'm, I'm betting for your programming. I bet like the progression will be because I, like I've seen how you execute and I know you execute things very well. I'm betting then the progression will just be like allocating more volume there, but I'm interested to see like what you guys go do going forward with yeah. all that. Well, I will say there's definitely a lot of rated R noises um, towards <laughs> the end of the set. So it's working. There, There is pain, um, but no pain, no gain, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, cool. Anything else going on that you guys want to dig into? Andrew, you got your blood work back recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got blood work done whenever I started with Austin and then I got it done again, like about three months later. And, um, there's, you know, there's a lot that we're working on fixing, but, um, progesterone had gone up into a normal range, which is awesome. Uh, thyroid is still not looking too great, but it's, it was slightly improved from the first time. So was testosterone just a little bit improved from the first time. So things are definitely headed in the right direction. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's uh, that kind of stuff just takes a while. So, what's your thyroid markers? Was it T four was a little bit low, and then um, TSH wasn't too bad. It was just, I mean, like it was in the normal range, but within the optimal range, it was like just a little bit off from what I would want to see it. And then reverse T three was just a little bit high, but it was mostly that T four being low. Okay. Now, none of this is like us saying, hey, anyone listening should do this, but out of curiosity, what have you guys been doing to address the thyroid? So I have, I, I'm salting every meal with iodized salt, which I never did before. I am adding in, um, it's a life extension brand, vitamin D, K, and iodine blend. And then I, I think that I think that those are the only things that are like very specifically um, acting on the thyroid. Um, I'm taking like an adaptogen blend that has um, like a stress lowering benefit, um, and then like a testosterone booster. So everything just kind of works together. So if stress is lower, um, RT3 will be lower and have a positive benefit there. Um, usually, if you can get thyroid uh, into a good place, then that has a positive effect on the sex hormones too. So, uh, he's just kind of trying to <laughs> guide everything back to the right direction. Yeah. 
But the ionized salt is an interesting one because I think that's one that so many people overlook. Like I've been blown away by the amount of clients where this always comes up where it's like, Hey, how do you, do you salt your food? How much salt do you use? And sorry, almost always like I'm, I'm blown away by the people that don't use salt at all. Um, and it's almost like a scary thing for them to start using salt, but like iodine is a, a very essential mineral, um, for health, for supporting your thyroid. Right. So, and even if you're just using, I'm guessing you were just using like Himalayan sea salt before. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Even that, like it doesn't have iodine in it. So I think people specifically think like pink Himalayan sea salt is healthy. Iodinized Mm -hmm. traditional table salt is not, but really like if we're not getting in these additional sources of iodine for normal, healthy individuals, we need that. Um, it's interesting just how many people but cool. I'm interested to see how that goes um, for you. Cause I know like for a long time, these have been issues that you've somewhat been trying to solve. So I'm interested to see like what the next few months yield there. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. I don't think I have. Jeremiah, I wanted to ask, how about you? What's going on with you? I know that you are doing your own training right now. You are looking pretty lean. You're headed to Bali, I think in August. So give us a little update on you. Yeah. Um, I have COVID again, every time we go, every time we go. So this week, my voice has been pretty iffy, which has been fun because there's always like a lot of calls and video check-ins and things of that nature. Um, but we're kind of back to normal today, which has been great. Every time we go back to Nebraska, I was hoping that wasn't the case. And then like Monday, I was like, man, I feel rough again. Every time we go back, um, it seems like Katie's family has just, or like someone, one of our families has just had COVID. And so we tend to get, which is, I've just had like a little bit of congestion, but it's just enough to like be annoying. So my training has been a little bit lighter this week. I pulled back on the RIR a bit and pulled back on the volume, of course, since I train at in my garage um and i'm never really around people anyways i'm good to just continue training but i'm doing a little bit lighter but yeah um fat loss has been going well so yeah i'm just wrapping up things with alex and then i'm gonna take it on my own i'm excited to i haven't really programmed for myself since 2018 um so i'm excited to really just actually program for myself for a while and use all of I don't know, just like experience, like what that's like more from the client perspective when I'm the one programming, I'm like, what can I refine? What can I do better here? Um, I'm very excited for that piece of it. And then that also been going well. Um, I am at 199 right now. I started at 214. So I'm feeling pretty lean. Um, it's been cool. I feel like there were a couple of years. I mean, I spent most of the last, the last time I was this lean was, let's see, early 2019. I think I did my first photo shoot around March of the middle of March of 2019. And that was definitely the last time I was this lean. I went into that shoe at, I don't remember if I was 185 or 180. I think it was, I went, I think it was very depleted, but I went in the shoot at 180. Um, realistically, I think I'm going to be quite a bit heavier at about that level of cleanness this time around. Again, I'm like at 199 and I would say I'm looking pretty close to where I was at like the low end of the 190s last time. And I spent a long time building. I know I've added, again, I've spent like three years building since then, but it's been cool to like 
I feel like there was a good like two years there where it was like I'm fluffy enough that I don't really like look like I lift anymore. So it's cool to like finally get back to the point where it's like, oh man, I actually look pretty jacked again. Um, that's been a fun experience to kind of see that all pay off and again like see myself being a similar level of body fat, but it gives it heavier. Um, I think about so it. So what's the plan enough. between? between now and Bali, are you going to keep dieting for a while or are you yeah. going to diet for a little bit and then reverse out before you get there? No, I'm probably going to be dieting until I go to Bali. Honestly, I'm trying to decide how lean I want to get. Um, so like for my, that first photo shoot, I was at a point where it was like really affecting my mental. I was really, really hungry by the end of it. And like, I just didn't have as much energy for work. And that was like when the business was really kind of just starting to take off. With all the responsibility you have now, I'm trying to decide if if I want to get to the point where I can like, or like right now it's not affecting my headspace by any means, but I'm trying to decide like how far I want to take it. That said, I kind of want to, like I'm already here, I kind of want to just get shredded because it's like something that happens maybe once every three years. So I'll probably, I, I imagine I'll probably push to at least like 190. Um, right now I'm losing just right around, I'm pushing to lose right around one to one and a half pounds per week. So it's nothing too aggressive by any means. I think there's eight weeks left before we go to Bali. So again, it's pretty realistic for me to be right around 190 by that point. Um, and we'll see there. I, I assume, I imagine that by the time that comes around, I'll probably to the point where I, I know I'll be very late by that point, but again, I would probably start affecting my cognitive function a little bit more. I don't know if I'll need to or want to get any later than that. So we'll see from there. But I imagine it'll probably be go on that trip. Um, probably will do some type of photo shoot immediately after or immediately before that. And I'm leaning towards immediately after because I don't know if I feel fully ready before. Um, and then I'll probably reverse out from there. Awesome. Well, you're looking good, Jeremiah. Thank you, Jody. Um, cool. All right, let's get into these questions. Yeah, absolutely. The first question is from Casey. She had asked, what percentage of your macros should be protein if you are in a build versus being in a cut? Um, Andrea, you want to field that one first? Sure. So whenever we set someone's macros up, we usually do not look at the percentage. Um, I never look at the percentage. So in a cut, um, you will have your protein relatively higher. Um, like if you were to, to figure out the percentage, it would be quite a bit higher actually than in a build, um, just because it stays relatively the same throughout the year, but you have a lot less calories coming in and a cut obviously. So the way that I will figure up um, protein in uh, any phase is usually set it somewhere between 0.8 and 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, depending on the person's body composition. Um, if it's not someone that's starting out from a, uh, like an obese, um, body weight or anything like that, then it's, it's usually 0.8 to 1.2. And then in a cut, it'll be on that sliding scale up toward the higher end, like towards 1.2 grams per pound. And then in a build, maybe around a gram per pound, maybe slightly less, um, just because of the filling, um, nature of eating more protein in a cut that's a little bit more helpful um that also depends though because if you have somebody having like a ton of trace proteins from things like oats and stuff like that you might want to push 
protein a little bit higher when calories get really high, just so that you get more quality protein, especially for like a smaller individual. So if it's somebody that's 110 pounds and they're getting like 20 grams of protein from vegetables and oats and things like that, then that's someone that you would push it up a little bit higher on. But um, is that is that helpful? It's not a percentage really, but hopefully that answers. Go ahead, Jeremiah. Yeah, I agree. I don't ever look at percentages. Um, I'm so I'm somewhat surprised with the amount of people that do focus on percentages and like these percentage based diets, where it it really doesn't make that much sense. It should be much more based on like your specific goals and what your body weight is, how much lean body mass you have. Like those <clears throat> factors like that are so much more important than like okay, is it forty, thirty, thirty, or like. <laughs> I was trying to figure. It. Never, never mind. Um, anyways, <laughs> with, with, your mouth right. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, um, anyways, so yeah, as you said, like I think the trace basically we're always going to be somewhere between about 0.8 and 1.2 grams for most people. We'll occasionally drive that a little bit higher. Um, the trace proteins is an important consideration. Like as carbs get higher, so really, like for clients in a fat, in a building phase, like we know, yeah. We really only need about 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. Julie, or excuse me, Jody, I remember you sending me like the mental insulin's article on this actually when we worked together. We talked about this. We're like, hey, yeah, realistically to build muscle tissue, we probably don't need more than like 0.8 grams of protein, but we do need that to be complete protein, right? So that means that it contains all of our essential amino acids. And so many proteins, like when we're when we're bumping carbs up super high, for example, like a client that is eating let's say 150 grams of protein and they're eating 400 grams or more of carbs in a building phase, like a lot of those carbs are going to be coming from incomplete sources, right? They're going to be coming from like, Hey, okay. There was, or a lot of those proteins are going to be coming from incomplete sources within the carbs, right? So there'll be like, Hey, okay. So my oats, for example, like, as you said, Andrea, they're going to have like some protein in them, but that's not going to be a complete protein. So is that really like helping the cause as much? So like a lot of times there, I'll say for every 50 to 100 grams of carbs that we add in in a building phase, I'll typically bump somebody's protein by about 10 grams as well. Um, so protein can get like closer to that 1.2 to 1. Point, I would say still like it's a bit rare that it gets over about 1.2 to 1.3 grams per pound of body weight. But yeah, I don't ever use percentages. I don't ever look at percentages. Um, I'm all basing it more around factors like that. I like that. I think it is very individualized. And we talked about it too. When I did my build, um, I actually had to bump protein up a little bit. And that was, you know, consulting with you guys, that was a lot of trace proteins as my carbs went up. Um, my protein, my intake was, I was always overshooting my, my protein intake. So, um, you know, nothing detrimental in that, in that sense, but again, very individualized. Yeah, absolutely. Bagel, bagels, especially a bagel has like nine grams of protein in it. Um, I love bagels. I love pizza bagels actually with like some turkey pepperonis and some reduced <laughs> fat, some reduced fat, uh, like some part skim cheese. So good. But anyways, I, I don't love think when I you go on your food that. tangents, you remind me of my 10 year old son. It's quite endearing, <laughs> Jeremiah. Pizza bagels are so damn good though. For real. If you haven't tried that turkey pepperonis, part skim cheese, so good. My sons would love that. They would go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
right, next question. Um, I got this from a girlfriend, Denise. She said, I feel fluffy. I eat well. I take about um, 15,000 steps a day and I can't seem to lose weight. She also feels exhausted all of the time. Um, I know we can approach this on a lot of different angles. I did ask some follow-up questions. Um, but what are your guys' initial thoughts? Yeah, so first I would ask, can you define eat well? <clears throat> I will say like 95% of the new clients that start with us will say some variation of this exact same thing where it is, Hey, I eat clean. I eat healthy foods. When I look at like my girlfriends, I eat so much healthier food than them, but for some reason I still can't lose weight. And that's again, where it's, Hey, yes, food quality is important, but the quantity is also very important. So almost always in a situation like this, that's where I would like urge you to track hey, are you tracking your macros? And also, are you tracking your macros extremely consistently, right? Like, yeah, food quality is very important, but we also need to make sure, like, for you to lose fat, you have to be eating fewer calories than you're burning. So that's the thing so many people overlook, and it's oftentimes in situations like this, individuals are erring more towards eating a lot more quote-unquote healthy fats, right? So it's like, I cook with a lot of olive oil. I use a good amount of, like, grass-fed butter. Um, I make sure I have like plenty of avocados and nut butters and nuts and things like that because I've heard they're not healthy fats. And like, well, there's nothing wrong with those things. Like we do rack up a lot of calories within that. Specifically like fat, fatty foods are going to be very calorie dense. So oftentimes like in a, in a scenario like that, I like think of one of my clients that comes to mind. It was like, she, she said this exact same thing. And like looking through her food box, it was like, hey, you're putting avocado or guacamole on like literally four meals a day and i love guac there's nothing wrong with that but we're really racking up a lot of calories here and again like using a lot of cooking oils and things of that nature so so many times in this scenario it is simply first we need to educate the client around how to track accurately and second like actually just tracking your food consistently and it's not something that you always have to do but for a period of time for like three to six months you'll get such big dividends just from that. Because again, like eating, like saying I eat, I eat well, or I eat healthy, like how can we actually quantify that? Right. And like, that's, that's, and it might be like, Hey, that's eating healthy. Isn't necessarily like what we need. Eating healthy doesn't correlate to fat loss per se. Yeah. It probably does correlate to like a well-fueled body, but that doesn't necessarily correlate to fat loss, like healthy or not. If we're eating like quote unquote healthy or not, we still need to be in a calorie deficit in order to lose fat. So um, that's the first thing that I would look to. I think that's probably the most important variable there. With her always feeling tired, there are a couple. The first thing, the most simple thing I would dig into is like, how's your sleep? Um, I've, a lot of times also, it's just like people neglect sleep. And it's like, well, if I focus more on like these things with my food, it would work around the fact that I'm only sleeping five to six hours per night. I'm not sure like in her specific case what that's like. But I also look into like, how is your sleep? Are you consistently sleeping through the night or are we waking up like a couple times per night? Are you waking up for the middle of the night just feeling like you're wide awake? And then like addressing those factors. And that's like an entirely different conversation that we could have as well. Um, that would be a very important piece of it. And then looking into her actual micronutrients. Are there micronutrients that we're deficient in like within your diet that we need to put a larger emphasis on? And that could be potentially impacting your energy levels. Um, that's really where I'd start. Like, it sounds like from like this very high level overview we have, like she has a good like understanding of, Hey, I'm going to eat mostly whole foods, but get it. We need to be more specific than that. Right. We need to like, are, are we controlling calories? Um, 
And again, like with 15,000 steps, that's, that's of course going to help, but still we have to make sure that, that those calories are controlled for. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely fine tuning that stuff. And I think, as you said, with the sleep, there's so many variables, you know, the consistency of bedtime routine, the number of hours. And then, as you said, I always say food is fuel, right? So what does that look like? You know, processed food versus whole foods and how that's going to kind of affect your energy for the day. Um, And then I just wanted to talk about, you know, eating healthy. I always thought I ate healthy by eating an apple and peanut butter as a snack every day until I measured my peanut butter. And we all, we all know that peanut butter (laughs) analogy. You think you're having a tablespoon or two tablespoons. It's about to be, you know, 400 calories of peanut butter and like 30 grams of fat. Um, So again, you know, what does that mean? What does that look like eating healthy and measuring, having a gauge of, um, you know, that calories in versus calories out. Andrea, any, any additional thoughts or insight? I want to everyone a thought there quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's again, like such a, if you're eating a lot of like quote unquote health foods, honestly, that's like the easiest way to back up a ton of calories. Like for example, the other day I was looking at the Chick-fil-A menu and it was like the highest calorie options on the Chick-fil-A menu on the salads, right? Where it's like, so many things like health, health, like health food bars, keto bars, paleo bars. There's so much shit like that, that it's really like, yes, these might be composed of like whole food ingredients, but they're actually like much higher calorie than like so many other options we have. But anyways, go on, Andrea. Sorry about that. Yeah. I don't think the, I don't think the advice there is start eating processed food so you can get <laughs> lower calorie options at the Chick-fil-A menu. But, uh, <laughs> or pizza bagels for all your meals maybe (laughs) (laughs) no my mind went to the exact same thing it's like just eating healthy it the the qual the quality is of course really important but when we're talking about losing weight the quantity is actually more important um i'm in the short term especially like of course you need the micronutrients from those foods to make sure that you're staying healthy and like um uh, you know, thyroid, for example, that that's not getting down regulated because you're not putting iodized salt on your food or whatever it may be. But, um, the, the amount of calories from the, like the actual quantification of the food that you're taking in is going to be the most important aspect starting out. So that would be the number one place to start. And then I, I don't really know if I have anything else to add beyond everything that you guys have already said there. Yeah. Yeah. So if if I, if she's listening right now and to make it simplified for her, what would you say um, are maybe the first two action steps she needs to take? Start tracking her food would be the number one. Jeremiah, I think I cut you off. Sorry. Oh no. I was trying to think of what number two would be. No, number one, I would, I would agree. I would just start tracking your food. Honestly, I think it's narrow like this. Also, if you're struggling with this, I would, like depending on how long you've been struggling with this, I would work with a coach. Even if it's just for three months, like you'll learn so much. Even again, like when it's tracking your food. So many people have tried tracking your food in the past, but it's like, well, that didn't work for me either. It was just super time consuming. And it's oftentimes because the reality is we also have to understand like, how do we actually do this accurately, right? And there's, there's so much within that. And then again, like if I'm trying to diet and I'm extremely hungry, okay, how do we get better? How do we make better food selection choices to keep my hunger lower. Like there's so much within that. I would say, again, if this is something you've been struggling with for a very long time, 
I would reach out to a coach, right? But I would for sure, like starting to track would be my number one step. Um, I think past that, and then just assessing like, how are you progressing? How are you actually measuring progress or how is your body composition changing, right? So many people, so I would like take body weight at least three times a week. First thing in the morning after using the restroom before eating or drinking anything. This is another big mistake. Like when people say, think like something isn't working, but they're not necessarily measuring how is that working, right? So for us, we have all this biofeedback. We have body measurements, we have progress measures, we have <clears throat> weekly average weight. That said, we don't need to do all those things, but if we can at least look at what's your average weight, has your average weight decreasing across weeks? So again, we need at least three weigh-ins to get that weekly average. I would start there. Um, I think that's a really good, like kind of one, two, as far as your first steps. With this sleep, I would also, again, just look at most of the time when someone says they have poor sleep, I can okay, so what do you think are the biggest reasons you have poor sleep? And then they can almost always say, well, I drink caffeine at like 4 p.m. Um, I'm always like laying in bed and watching TV. There's almost always a lot of low-hanging fruit there that will impact that as well. But I would look at things like with the sleep, with the energy levels, I think like that's going to first probably be correlated to sleep. So how is your sleep? Um, and then again, like I don't think I can get into here's how we like analyze your diet and break down like what my nutrients you might be deficient in this podcast. So I'd really like look to sleep as far as the energy levels piece of that goes. Um, and then as far as like one other thing I want to make sure is clear also is like I'm not at all saying that food quality doesn't matter. Like I, I had a post on this yesterday that I, I took all the credit for, but I actually just took a blog that Andrew had written. <laughs> and turned it into a post and everybody was like this is such a great post and i didn't give andrew any credit so thank you for that <laughs> but um everybody thought i did a great job so shout out to you for that one um but again like we know hey uh a whole foods meal is going to have a higher dose effect we're going to burn more calories in digestion than a processed meal right so that's going to help aid in fat loss some on the more foods we're eating out of the package like that F um, we are allowed like some measurement, like what it's up to 20%, they can round down the amount of calories that are on the label, right? So again, like if we're eating more processed foods, there's more room for error there. Um, we're not going to be as full if we're eating a, a diet of like more highly processed foods. So I'm not at all saying like, Hey, eat just Chick-fil-A and pizza bagels. Those things are great. <laughs> and I can't fall asleep no, if you are eating those a lot, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't think I have any other. So one more thing that came to mind for me was to look into the weekends, because if she's dragging, like really tired all the time, she may just be actually in a deficit or maybe quite a big deficit during the week. And so she's kind of tired because of that and all the walking that she's doing on top of that, but then not walking quite so much on the weekend and eating out a couple of times on the weekend and erasing that deficit that she created. But um, still having the fatigue build up from that. Um, alcohol is another big one because that can uh, wreck your sleep quality. And so yeah. she may just be racking up calories through alcohol and then also not sleeping well because of it. That's such a good insight, actually. That's also so common where people are in a very large deficit throughout the entire week. They feel terrible. They're always super hungry. So they always feel like they're dieting and then like within like two days, it's uh, so, and sometimes it's because you're trying to diet so aggressively during the week that it's like by the end of the week it's kind of screw it um i'm just going to eat the food whatever and then like it's easy to undo all that progress in a week and then it's just kind of like you're stuck in the cycle so that's that's a great insight as well 
I think that insight and the drinking insight, I know, you know, I feel like I'm so sensitive to drinking that it does wreck my sleep. You know, if I, if I overindulge, um, I'm always tired the next day and my sleep is pretty restless. And Denise, who asked the question, I, I've had some good times with her. So I know uh, that that might be a factor for her as well. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what I'm here uh, for. It is also yeah. crazy when you stop drinking, how much more it impacts you. Like, I think we have like once a year, we'll have more than like a couple drinks and it's like, Oh, this is insane. <laughs> but that's kind of it for now. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all I have on the questions um, for this week. Is there anything else? Um, I don't think I have anything else to add. Andrew, are you good? Yep. I'm good. Cool. All right. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Now, any questions that you have that you want us to answer on the podcast next week, please feel free. We'll put out our question boxes. Um, mine sometimes might be a little bit later than Jody and Andreas, but we'll put out our we put out our question boxes weekly. That said, like if you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, please feel free to just DM any of us, and we are happy to answer them. You don't have to wait until the question box comes up. But yeah, I think that is all we have for you guys. And we will catch you all next time.